hours worth of old material. Hackett. <laughs> oh, wow. Welcome, everyone. I'm Pastor Cameron. Glad you're here this morning. Happy Easter to you all. And uh, for those of you who may not uh figured it out, those were pictures from over the years. Uh, and... Uh, Yeah, children may be dismissed the children's ministry. <laughs> Everybody's leaving. Service is done. <laughs> yeah, church isn't just about a building, right? Let me turn down the mic a little bit, would you? Uh, and it's not even, I mean, it, a lot of it, it's a very important aspect that church be about the presentation of uh, truth and sermons and Times where we sing together. It's really about relationships that are forged and nurtured over the years. And it's a great joy to have a relationship with you all and to see that uh, those relationships continue. Even when people move away, we still have a relationship, right? That's what Jesus came for, to make us one, to make us one body. It's his vision. It was a joy that was set before him, by which he endured the shame, the pain of the cross. That he saw beyond the cross, the future family of people who are united through relationship with Him, and that we get to dwell together for eternity. So we're going to get to be with one another throughout all eternity. Let's learn how to get along. <laughs> Comic relief. Insert here. <laughs> Alright, I have a message. By golly, it's Easter morning. I'm going to preach a message. Ah! Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the memories. Father, we thank you for not only the memories of the past, but Father, for the memories that are being forged in the present, Lord, and that we will enjoy in our future. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you would uh, come and, and anoint the, the words that I have to share, that it would uh, be used by you to, to help us have a future in you. Diane, uh, amen. Diane read, uh, <coughs> uh, pe- people pick on me because I always forget to say amen. It's like <laughs> I don't stop praying, I just keep praying. <coughs> it says that in the Bible. Diane read the story of uh, the resurrection, and so I'm not going to repeat that, but we want to focus in on Matthew 28, verse 9. Uh-huh. And in the New King James, it reads this way, it says, and as they... They being uh, Mary and the other Mary. How'd you like to be known as the other Mary? <laughs> Hi, I'm Mary. I'm the other Mary. <laughs> there was a lot of Marys, and neither one of them were the mother of Jesus. Both those were other Marys. Uh, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the wife of Cleopas. Uh, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice! 
And so they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And uh, <clears throat> I'm just going to talk a little bit about this. This verse really jumped out when I was peripherally preparing a few weeks ago for this service. And, you know, the scene <clears throat> is that Jesus' ministry, I don't know if you, if you read through the Gospel, if you're familiar with it at all, is that Jesus' ministry began and for three years... Really, it just built and uh, it grew and grew and grew, and his significance uh, extended to the point where the whole nation was transformed, and either even even other uh, countries nearby were being affected by the popularity, the message. There's so many miracles happening; people were being healed, dead people were coming back to life. He was preaching truth; it was just revolutionizing. The nation, and it was really uh, uh, stirring up everything. Since the whole world was turned upside down uh, by the church afterwards, and, and, and Israel, all of Jerusalem, all of Israel was affected by his ministry, <clears throat> and tens of thousands of people would come to his meetings. Many people would be healed. In fact, uh, just a few days earlier, when he entered into Jerusalem at the triumphant entry, you know, we all know the story where. Uh, it was a celebration of the feast, and Jesus is riding in on a donkey, which is the fulfillment of a prophecy that was given hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. And everyone breaks out into singing, Hosanna! Hosanna! Uh, uh, today, uh, the, the King of David, <coughs> and, and uh, glory to God on high. And so the whole city is, it breaks out in rejoicing and celebration. When Jesus, and they laying their coats down on palm branches as Jesus rides in celebrating and worshiping Him. But a few days later, that very same crowd is yelling, or some of them are yelling out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! And so if you can capture possibly the emotional turmoil that's going through those who had committed their lives, who had believed Jesus was who He said He was and had been following Him as, as Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and His disciples had invested their life into the message that Jesus Christ was the One. Was the one that all of human history, all of the history of the nation of Israel, the prophets going all the way back to Abraham and even to the Garden of Eden, that this was the foretold Messiah, and then they crucified him. And he and they saw him die. That was not part of what they thought was the plan. They didn't see that. They didn't know it. They didn't understand. It's all the way through the Old Testament. But but it's even the best scholars in their day didn't expect it to happen in the way it happened. They were taken, and Jesus even said it clearly. When we read the Gospels now, it's like obvious. But you know that they say about hindsight, the disciples themselves were hiding, locked in in a room. Literally, the door was locked. Like that was going to keep the Roman soldiers out, you know, because they were afraid that they were going to be next to be arrested. Jesus has died, is buried. These women went to the tomb in grief. They were coming uh, to mourn. All hope was seemingly lost. They were just mourning. They were in grief. They were going to the tomb not even expecting anything other than to cry and to say, what now? What now? 
And there, to their great surprise, the angel greeted them with the news of Jesus' resurrection. And it says that they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Now Jesus' greeting as they were leaving the tomb, this may have still been in the graveyard or it could have been on the path out of the graveyard, but it, it, in some translations it says, just says He greeted them. And in other translations it says rejoice. And that's because the common greeting of the day was rejoice. You know, it's like good day. You know, good day. Uh, cheers. How you doing? Uh, you know, it's just the common greeting. But the common greeting was rejoice. And I think it's actually interesting. I just the meaning of the word means be happy. Hey, be happy. Uh, it means to rejoice, to be glad, to rejoice exceedingly, to be well, thrive. <clears throat> this was Jesus's in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus's the, the first recorded word that Jesus spoke after the resurrection. Rejoice. What do you think? What do you think the, the tone of it was? Now we know that we kind of get a description of the tone at the at the gravesite with the angel. All right, because here's this this angel shining in light, and the message it says shafts of light were beaming out of him, or something like that. You know, <clears throat> and he was sitting on the stone. It's like this big, you know, angel sitting up there going, "Hey, check it out! Look where he was laying." <laughs> you know, there, I told you, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and when Jesus' birth, right, <clears throat> a chorus of angels appeared to the shepherds, you know, the hosts of heaven singing, glory, you know, glory to God on high and peace on earth toward men, right? And there were songs, I mean, but here after the resurrection, it's almost like an understatement, you know? But I think it really, <clears throat> it, it, it tells us something about the person or the personality of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus knew that this was the beginning of a whole new era for mankind. All right? Jesus had just accomplished the greatest task ever to be done. He had paid the penalty for the price of sin. He had enabled access for anyone who believes in Him to enter into heaven and to not be bound for hell. He had satisfied God's justice and He had delivered God's mercy. Alright? He conquered sin and death. In one Bible passage it says, He gripped the bars of hell itself and tore them away. He entered Satan's domain and established it as his domain. He overturned the reign of Satan. He came, it says, to destroy the work of Satan. And he had, he did it. Alright? He went to the place of the dead and death could not contain him. The Bible says. And he comes back in a risen form. And two women are walking down the path. And he says, good morning. 
<laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> How you doing? I don't know. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it says Jesus began by meeting face to face. When it says he met them, that word literally means face to face. It wasn't a far off in this in this interaction. They were walking along the path. Maybe he was sitting and they were walking and he turned and looked at him face to face. He was right there and said, rejoice. I don't think he shouted it. You know, we don't know. Until we get to heaven, we can watch the DVD. You know. I think he just said, hey, you know, because they're sad, right? You ever, you ever lose somebody you really loved? They're dead and they're buried and like... Okay, the funeral's over, and it's a few days later, and it really hits you. That's where they were. Alright? That's how they felt. They're walking down the path, grieving together, and they look up, and he's like, Be happy. I think it's a perfect depiction of a very real encounter with a very real person, Jesus. This is not a myth. Okay? This is one of the ways you know that the Bible is not a myth, is that it's not myth-like. There's parts of the Bible story that are like myths, in other words, that are like the flood or, you know, the guy who, Jonah, they got eight... You know, eaten by the whale. The whale. <laughs> but here is this Jesus in a very understated way saying, Hey man, I'm, I'm here on the path with you. Be happy. The news of the resurrection and Jesus' first appearance was to these two women. Or the women. Actually, in some of the other Gospels, there was another woman with them. A group of women. Mary Magdalene, particularly... Uh, is important because out of Mary was cast seven demons. It's not mentioned here, but it's mentioned in two other places in Scripture. <clears throat> it's significant, <clears throat> it's very significant, saints, that Jesus' first appearance was to women. Alright? It was a woman by another name, her name was Eve, who was deceived by Satan and was enticed to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the entry point through which Satan's strategy that led to the fall of mankind and man's entanglement with sin and death occurred. Here Jesus, the living tree of life, offers the fruit of eternal life to a woman. Not only a woman, but a woman that was formerly possessed by the devil. Seven demons. And he entrusts her and the other women with the message of the resurrection when he tells her to go and tell the other disciples. Do you see how that is 
so significant. And some people totally misunderstand Christianity thinking that it demeans women. And that's just, that's a myth. Alright? In actuality, the Gospels and Christianity itself, uh, uh, reverses the effects that happened in the garden when Eve came under deception. And we see here that depicted by Jesus uh, greeting and meeting first after the resurrection women and telling them and entrusting with them the very message of the Gospel. It turns over the whole strategy. It redeems uh, that gender curse that was put on Eve. And it says that no longer is Eve the one deceived, but now Eve is the one that's greeted and, and she's at the tree of life. Because Jesus is the tree of life. Does that make sense? And that's, that's a tremendous and a very significant undoing. Un, you have to understand that what, what Jesus did is He came to destroy the works of the devil. And so all of the works of the devil, every strategy of Satan is undone through the work of Jesus Christ. It's a complete reversal. God makes clear His total redemption by appearing first to a woman. A woman who had first uh, yielded to deception. He offered her the truth. The fruit of the tree of life <clears throat> that has the power to free all of mankind. So just like in the garden where the Eve was deceived by the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that led to sin and deception, here Jesus, the tree of life, offers women, Mary, the truth that leads to salvation and freedom from death and freedom from every strategy of the enemy. Can somebody say Amen? Alright. <laughs> now what does this mean? I want to apply it to your life and our lives. The application is that whatever the entry point <clears throat> was in our life or your life, see the entry point uh, was, and I'm using this as kind of an analogy, but it's very true, Eve was the entry point for the deception that led to sin. Whatever the entry point is uh, in a life or in your life for deception or sin or a demonic strategy. Please listen to me. The entry point for confusion. The entry point for some form of destruction. The entry point for some breaking of relationship with God, with others, or even with yourself. That is where Jesus comes and intervenes with truth and the, and the, and the revelation of the power of His resurrection. Alright? It's at that point. And there's some point. There's always a point. What, I'm, what do I mean by a point? It either means a place, a time, an event, an idea, a circumstance, even an emotion. They become entry points through which you can enter into sin or deception or despair or doubt. And Jesus comes to that entry point. And it's there where Jesus has to come. That's where Jesus comes and intervenes. That's where you and I must encounter the risen Lord. Just like Mary Magdalene. Just like the other Mary. 
And just like his disciples had to encounter, had to have a face-to-face with Jesus. Alright? I'm not just talking about... an It is a historical fact. The death and resurrection is is historical fact. Alright? Without that historical fact, Christianity is just another philosophy. You might as well be a Buddhist. Alright? Or pick another religion. It's just, it really happened. Mar- these two Marys really had a, a face-to-face meeting with Jesus. But it can't be just a history lesson. You have to walk out of here with an encounter. Every day you need an encounter where you meet face-to-face. Or in each situation in your life, at some point in your life, you need to have a face-to-face encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ and access His resurrection power in that same entry point. Does that make sense? Alright. It says when you have a face-to-face meeting with Jesus, it's at the entry point. It dismantles the strategy of Satan, self, and sin. When you replace the point of entry for sin or deception or temptation or doubt or fears, when you replace that as an entry place for those things and make it an entrance for the risen Savior and the message of redemption and the message of restoration and the message of resurrection and, the, and, and instead of an entry point for death, it now becomes the very same place a point for the entrance of life. Then you'll have victory in that area. Alright? And so when you come to Jesus, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In general, you accept that as Lord and Savior, but Jesus, that's basically not good enough. Alright? Because life is a little more complex than that. And you'll find there's still entry places where the enemy or doubt or fears or temptations get in. And you need to see Jesus. You need to have a face-to-face encounter in that place. Whatever it is, you need to see the risen Jesus and you need to hear Him say, Hey, how you doing? Sorry about that. (laughs) Hey, how you doing? I tell you, when Jesus risen from the dead says, how you doing? The next thing is, hey, don't don't be afraid. (laughs) That's the next thing they always say. All right. So the response is worship. It says they, they came and held Him by the feet and worshiped Him. When, when they had that encounter, that response was, was worship. And you know, that's the appropriate, that's the rational response. It's the only rational thing to do when you really encounter. And worship means a bowing or a prostrating. It means falling to the ground in front of someone out of reverence, out of awe, out of love. They were not commanded to worship. They were compelled. There was nothing you could have done to keep them from diving at His feet. Instantly, everything changed. Instantly! Everything changed! Alright? Sin had conquered. Death had reigned. Jesus was dead. He was in the grave. But one face-to-face meeting and everything changed. Don't you think their attitude changed at that moment? 
from being mournful and grieving to being rejoicing and full of hope. Nothing else had changed. They were still in a graveyard. The disciples were still hiding in the upper room. The Romans were still in power. Everything was all the same. But they met Jesus and that changed everything for those women. Alright? And that's the way it has to happen. You know, God's concerned about the world and has a scheme for the whole world and all the big eschatology, but really He's concerned about you and meeting you face to face. Because if that doesn't happen, then the rest of it doesn't matter. Okay? And the rest of it is just part of His strategy to meet you. His strategy to meet you is not part of the rest of it. Does that make sense? Alright? He's interested in the individual. And He does everything so that, like Mary, these two Marys, they were able to worship. It was an expression of their innermost being. When they encountered Jesus as He is, when we realize, like these two women, <clears throat> it changes everything in us. It has the power. When you really see who He is, that He rose from the dead, it can change everything in us. Just like it did in in the, in the, in the women. Now they were told to go tell the disciples and the same thing happened when the disciples met them. In Matthew 28-16 it says, the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him. They also worshipped Him. They fell down. They worshipped Him. But I love this about the Bible. There's these three words. But some doubted. Okay, they were standing looking at Jesus Christ. <laughs> Alright? They were there when He was hanging on the cross. They saw Him in the tomb. They were there the whole, you know, Friday, Saturday, now Sunday. And then now He's there alive talking to them. And they're going, well, maybe... Truth must be embraced with faith. You can experience a miracle. I've experienced miracles. And later gone, well, maybe it was serious. A miracle is good. We believe in miracles. You have to embrace a miracle. Because there will always be some way to explain it. Alright? If you don't believe it. And there's plenty of people, and the enemy is real happy to give you all the reasons why you don't have to believe it. <clears throat> we must choose to accept Jesus as He is, the risen Savior, and make and, and respond like the women did, like the disciples did, in worship. And when we do, all of the bleakness of our circumstances can change in that moment as well. So, there's one more aspect quickly I want to get to, is that there was the greeting, rejoice. There was the response of worship. But then there's also a command. He commanded the women and He commanded the disciples the same thing. He told the women to do something. What did He tell them to do? Go tell! Go tell the disciples, my brethren, I'm coming. And what did He tell the disciples to do? Pardon me? Go tell! Everybody! Right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go tell everyone. A genuine 
and encounter with the risen Savior will have three aspects. There's going to be a rejoicing. You're going to be happy to see Him. Alright? If you really see Him, you're going to be happy. It's going to change everything. You're going to respond in worship. And worship is good. Worship is an important aspect of that encounter with Jesus. But don't forget that Jesus says, okay, now that you've seen me, go tell others. Alright? Because they're waiting this. They're in the state of grief and mourning. And it's your job, just like it's the, it was the disciples' job, just like it was the, the women's job, to go and tell. Rejoice, yes. Worship, yes. Go tell, yes. Amen? Amen. All right. Graham has some announcements. Welcome him.